0: Book Fifteen Part Two of Ovid's Metamorphoses. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. Metamorphoses by Publius Ovidius Naso. Translated by Brooks Moore. Book Fifteen Part Two. Of many strange events that I have heard and known, "'I will add a few. "'Why, does not water give and take strange forms? "'Your wave, O hornet Ammon, will turn cold at midday, "'but is always mild and warm, at sunrise and at sunset. "'I have heard that Athamanians kindle wood, "'if they pour water on it, "'when the waning moon has shrunk away into her smallest orb. "'The people of Kikonia have a stream "'which turns the drinker's entrails into stone, "'which changes into marble all it raves.' The Achaean Crathis and the Sybaris, which flow not far from here, will turn the hair to something like clear amber or bright gold. What is more wonderful, there are some waters which change not only bodies, but the minds. Who has no knowledge of the SALMACIS and of its ill-famed waves? Who has not heard of the lakes of Ethiopia? How those who drink of them go raving mad or fall in a deep sleep, most wonderful in heaviness. "'Whoever quenches thirst from the Clitorian spring will hate all wine, "'and soberly secure great pleasure from pure water. "'Either that spring has a power the opposite of wine-heat, "'or, perhaps, as natives tell us, "'after the famed son of Amitheon by his charms and herbs "'delivered from their base insanity the stricken Phleotides, "'he threw the rest of his mind-healing herbs into the spring, "'where hatred of all wine has since remained. "'Unlike in nature flows another stream of the country,' called lincestius Every one who drinks of it, even with most temperate care, will reel as if he had drunk unmixed wine. In Arcadia is a place called Phenios by men of old, which is mistrusted for the twofold nature of its waters. Stand in dread of them at night. If drunk at night they harm you, but in daytime they will do no harm at all. So lakes and rivers have now this, now that effect. Ortigia once moved like a ship that drifts among the waves. Now it is fixed. The Argo was in dread of the simple which moved apart with waves in rushing. Now immovable they stand, resisting the attack of winds. Etna, which burns with sulphur furnaces, will not be always concentrated fire, nor was it always fiery. If the earth is like an animal and is alive and breathes out flame at many openings then it can change these many passages used for its breathing and, when it is moved, may close these caverns as it opens up some others. Or if rushing winds are penned in deepest caverns, and they drive great stones against the rock, and substances which have the properties of flame and fire are made by those concussions. When the winds are calmed, the caverns will, of course, be cool again. Or if some black bitumen catches fire, or yellow sulphur burns with little smoke, "'Then surely, when the ground no longer gives such food and oily nutriment for flames, "'and they in time have ravined all their store, "'their greedy nature soon will pine with death. "'It will not bear such famine, but depart, "'and when deserted, will desert the place. "'Tis said that Hyperboreans of Palini "'can cover all their bodies with light plumes "'by plunging nine times in Minerva's marsh. "'But I cannot believe another tale.' that Scythian women get a like result by having poison sprinkled on their limbs. If we give any credit to the things proved by experience, we can surely know whatever bodies are decayed by time or by dissolving heat are by such means changed into tiny animals. Come now, bury choice bullocks killed for sacrifice, and it is well known by experience that the flower-gathering bees are so produced, miraculous from entrails putrefied. These like the faithful animals from which they were produced, inhabit the green fields, delight in toil, and labour for reward. The warlike steed, when buried in the ground, is a known source of hornets. If you cut the bending claws off from the seashore crab, and bury the remainder in the earth, a scorpion will come forth from the dead crab buried there, threatening with its crooked tail. The worms which cover leaves with their white threads, a thing observable by husbandmen, will change themselves to funeral butterflies. Mud holds the seeds that generate green frogs, at first producing tadpoles with no feet, and soon it gives them legs adapted for their swimming, and, so they may be as well adapted to good leaping, their hind legs are longer than the forelegs. The mother bear does not bring forth a cub, but a limp mass of flesh that can hardly be called alive. By licking it the mother forms the limbs, and brings it to a shape just like her own. Do not the offspring of the honey-bees, concealed in cells hexagonal, at first get life with no limbs, and assume in time both feet and wings? Unless the fact were known, could any one suppose it possible that Juno's bird, whose tail is bright with stars, the eagle, armour-bearer of high Jove, the doves of Caesarea, and all birds emerge from the middle part of eggs, and some believe the human marrow turns into a serpent when the spine at length has putrefied in the closed sepulchre. Now these, I named, derive their origin from other living forms. There is one bird which reproduces and renews itself. The Assyrians give this bird his name, the phoenix. He does not live either on grain or herbs, but only on small drops of frankincense and juices of amomum. When this bird completes a full five centuries of life, straightway with talons and with shining beak he builds a nest among palm branches, where they join to form the palm-tree's waving top. As soon as he has strewn in this new nest the cassia bark, and ears of sweet spikenard, and some bruised cinnamon with yellow myrrh, he lies down on it, and refuses life among those dreamful odours. And they say that from the body of the dying bird is reproduced a little phoenix, which is destined to live just as many years. When time has given to him sufficient strength, and he is able to sustain the weight, he lifts the nest up from the lofty tree, and dutifully carries from that place his cradle, and the parent sepulchre. As soon as he has reached through yielding air the city of Hyperion, he will lay the burden down, just before the sacred doors within the temple of Hyperion. Now these I named, derive their origin from other living forms. But, If we wonder at strange things like these, we ought to wonder also when we learn that a hyena has a change of sex. The female, quitting her embracing male, herself becomes a male. That animal which feeds upon the winds and air at once assumes with contact any colour touched. Conquered India gave to the vine-crowned bacchus lynxes, whose urine turns, they say, to stones hardening in air. "'So coral, too, as soon as it has risen above the sea, turns hard. "'Below the waves it was a tender plant. "'The day will fail me. "'Phoebus will have bathed his panting horses in the deep sea-waves "'before I can include in my discourse the myriad things transforming to new shapes. "'In lapse of time we see the nations change. "'Some grow in power, some wane. "'Troy was once great in riches and in men, so great she could for ten unequalled years afford much blood. Now she lies low, and offers to our gaze but ancient ruins, and instead of wealth, ancestral tombs. Sparta was famous once, and great Mycenae was most flourishing. And Sacrop's citadel, and Amphians, shone in ancient power. Sparta is nothing now save barren ground. The proud Mycenae fell. What is the Thebes of storied Oedipus except a name, and of Pandian's Athens, what now remains beyond the name? Reports come to me that Dardanian Rome is rising, and beside the Tiber's waves, whose springs are high in the Apennines, is laying her deep foundations. So in her growth her form is changing, and one day she will be the sole mistress of the boundless world. They say that soothsayers and that oracles, revealers of our destiny, declare this fate, and, if I recollect it right, Helenus, son of Priam, prophesied unto Aeneas, when he was in doubt of safety and lamenting for the state of Troy, about to fall. O son of a goddess, if you yourself will fully understand this prophecy now surging in my mind, Troy shall not, while you are preserved to life, fail utterly. Flames and the sword shall give you passage. You shall go and bear away Pergama, ruined, till a foreign soil more friendly to you than your native land "'shall be the lot of Troy and of yourself. "'Even now I know it is decreed by fate that our posterity, "'born far from Troy, will build a city greater than exists, "'or ever will exist, or ever has been seen in former times. "'Through a long lapse of ages other noted men shall make it strong, "'but one of the race of Eulus shall make it the great mistress of the world. "'After the earth has thoroughly enjoyed his glorious life, "'ethereal abodes shall gain him, "'and immortal Heaven shall be his destiny. "'Such was the prophecy of Hellenus, "'when great Aeneas took away his guardian deities, "'and I rejoiced to see my kindred walls rise high "'and realise how much the Trojans won "'by that resounding victory of the Greeks. "'But, that we may not range afar "'with steeds forgetful of the goal, "'the Heavens and all beneath them, "'and the earth and everything upon it change in form. "'We likewise change, "'who are a portion of the universe, "'and since we are not only things of flesh, "'but winged souls as well, "'we may be doomed to enter into beasts as our abode, "'and even to be hidden in the breasts of cattle. "'Therefore, should we not allow these bodies to be safe "'which may contain the souls of parents, brothers, "'or of those allied to us by kinship, or of men at least, "'who should be saved from every harm? "'Let us not gorge down a thyestian feast.' How greatly does a man disgrace himself? How impiously does he prepare himself for shedding human blood, who with the knife cuts the calf's throat, and offers a death ear to its death longings? Who can kill the kid while it is sending forth heart rending cries like those of a dear child, or who can feed upon the bird which he has given food? How little do such deeds as these fall short of actual murder? Yes, where will they lead? Let the ox plough, or let him owe his death to weight of years, and let the sheep give us defence against the cold of Boreas, and let the well-fed she-goats give to man their udders for the pressure of kind hands. Away with cruel nets and springs and snares and fraudulent contrivances! Deceive not birds with bird-limed twigs. Do not deceive the trusting deer with dreaded feather foils. Do not conceal barbed hooks with treacherous bait. If any beast is harmful, take its life but even so let killing be enough. Taste not his flesh, but look for harmless food. They say that Numa, with a mind well taught by these and other precepts, travelled back to his own land and, being urged again, assumed the guidance of the Latin state. Blessed with a nymph as consort, blessed also with the muses for his guides, he taught the rites of sacrifice and trained in arts of peace, a race accustomed long to savage war. When ripe in years he ended reign and life, the Latin matrons, the fathers of the state, and all the people wept for Numa's death. For the nymph, his widow, had withdrawn from Rome, concealed within the thick groves of the vale Aurecia, where with groans and wailings she disturbed the holy rites of Cynthia, established by Orestes. Ah! how often nymphs of the grove and lake entreated her to cease and offered her consoling words! How often the son of Theseus said to her, control your sorrow surely your sad lot is not the only one consider now the like calamities by others born and you can bear your sorrow to my grief my own disaster was far worse than yours at least it can afford you comfort now is it not true discourse has reached your ears that one hippolytus met with his death through the credulity of his loved sire deceived by a stepmother's wicked art it will amaze you much and i may fail to prove what i declare I am he. Long since the daughter of Pacifiye tempted me to defile my father's bed, and, failing, feigned that I had wished to do what she herself had wished. Perverting truth, either through fear of some discovery, or else through spite at her deserved repulse, she charged me with attempting the foul crime. Though I was guiltless of all wrong, my father banished me, and, while I was departing, laid on me a mortal curse. Towards Pythias and Trozen I fled aghast, guiding the swift chariot near the shore of the Corinthian gulf, when all at once the sea rose up and seemed to arch itself, and lift high as a white-topped mountain height, make bellowings and open at the crest. Then through the parting waves a horned bull emerged with head and breast into the wind, spouting white foam from his nostrils and his mouth. The hearts of my attendants quailed with fear, yet I, unfrightened, thought but of my exile.' Then my fierce horses turned their necks to face the waters, and with ears erect they quaked before the monster shape. They dashed in flight along the rock-strewn ground below the cliff. I struggled, but with an unavailing hand, to use the reins now covered with white foam, and throwing myself back, pulled on the thongs with weight and strength. Such effort might have checked the madness of my steeds, had not a wheel, striking the hub on a projecting stump, been shattered and hurled in fragments from the axle. "'I was thrown forward from my chariot "'and with the reins entwined about my legs. "'My palpitating entrails could be seen dragged on, "'my sinews fastened on a stump. "'My torn legs followed, but a part remained behind me, "'caught by various snags. "'The breaking bones gave out a crackling noise. "'My tortured spirit soon had fled away. "'No part of the torn body could be known. "'All that was left was only one crushed wound.' "'How can, how dare you, nymph, compare your ills to my disaster? "'I saw the lower world deprived of light, "'and I have bathed my flesh so tortured in the waves of Phlegethon. "'Life could not have been given again to me, "'but through the remedies Apollo's son applied to me. "'After my life returned, by potent herbs and the Paeonian aid, "'despite the will of Pluto,' Cynthia then threw heavy clouds around that I might not be seen, and cause men envy by new life, and that she might be sure my life was safe, she made me seem an old man, and she changed me so that I could not be recognized. A long time she debated whether she would give me Crete or Delos for my home. Delos and Crete abandoned, she then brought me here, and at the same time ordered me to lay aside my former name, one which, when mentioned, would remind me of my steeds. SHE SAID TO ME, YOU WERE Hippolytus, BUT NOW INSTEAD YOU SHALL BE Verbius. AND FROM THAT TIME I HAVE INHABITED THIS GROVE, AND, AS ONE OF THE LESSER GODS, I LIVED CONCEALED AND NUMBERED IN HER TRAIN. THE GRIEF OF OTHERS COULD NOT EASE THE WOE OF SAD Agiria, AND SHE LAID HERSELF DOWN AT A MOUNTAIN'S FOOT, DISSOLVED IN TEARS, TILL MOVED BY PITY FOR HER FAITHFUL SORROW, DIANA CHANGED HER BODY TO A SPRING, HER LIMBS INTO A CLEAR CONTINUAL STREAM. End of Book 15, Part 2